Colossians chapter 3. We're headed through the book of Colossians, and we landed in a good Mother's Day spot in the book of Colossians. Isn't it amazing how the Bible can find the topic that we should be on? So Colossians chapter 3, look at verse 18 to 21, and I want us to look at what the Scripture teaches us here about the home. Uh, Paul's letter has, uh, in the, to the Colossians has addressed many important uh, truths that people need to know. The first subject was our union with Christ and also our identity with Christ and then the authority and power of Christ. And now in chapter 3, after some practical things and warning us in chapter 2, he goes to the home. Now let's read that passage together beginning with verse 18. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. And fathers, Provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Now, as I said, Paul has addressed some major uh, topics in the book of Colossians, and the first one being our relationship with Jesus, how we're uh, in a union with Christ when we become a Christian. And now he addresses the family and the roles in the family. Now, it's true that the family has always been under attack. If you go back to the garden, you could say that the serpent coming to Eve was an attack on the home. It was an attack on all of mankind when he tempted and they fell to sin, but it disrupted the home between Adam and Eve right there in the beginning. So the home needs to be shored up and that's why the Bible addresses these subjects 2,000 years ago, back when the Old Testament, those things are covered and taught. So we need to look at them today and interpret them according to what God teaches us. There was a boy, went to his mother, and, and he said, Mom, where did I come from? And she told him this story about the stork. Y'all have heard the story about the stork? We were in love with each other, your dad and I, and the stork came along and brought you to us. And then he said, wow, to himself, he went to his dad. And he asked his dad the same question, and his dad come up with a similar answer that the stork brought him. And so he said, I'm not getting anywhere with this. He went to his grandfather, and his grandfather told him the same story. That afternoon, he went out on the playground with his other 10-year-old buddies, and he said, you know, I finally figured out what's wrong with our home. We hadn't had a normal childbirth in three generations. And listen, if you don't think 10-year-olds don't know more than you think they do, you better be waking up. They know what's going on. Well, the Bible, in the, the Bible addresses the home, and it teaches us a standard. And there ought to be a standard in things, right? There ought to be a, a, a something that we can measure against. And this one is a family standard, and it gives us roles. And, and, of course, the world that we live in 
doesn't follow these, and we many times are swayed by the world to go with what's just new and what's uh, going on now, but we as Christians have to go back and look at what the Bible says, and we have to match ourselves with what the Bible teaches. That's what we should do. Now, the home is important. It's important to all of our lives. Just like our mother is so important in our life, our home has a tremendous effect on our life, and, and there's not a day that, that we're not involved. If we've got a wife or we have children, and it just has an effect. So we need to know what the Bible teaches. Now, the world, many places in the world, wives and children are property. You know that, right? You're familiar with that. In many places in the world, wives and children are no more than property. And we know that's not right. But we're here, and we need to learn and maybe reestablish or just be reminded how it works in the home and how that love can flourish in the home. Now, this is Mother's Day, and being... A mom is a full-time job. Uh, you know, my wife has always been a little bit, uh, not offended, but, but uh, jogged by the thing when people would ask her, where do you work? Or well, she worked full-time in our home. And if you don't know how many children we had, I'm not going to tell you. It was a full-time job. She had not only had those children, she had me to deal with. And so moms have a full-time job. Now, a mom that works outside of home, she has two full-time jobs. It's just all there. And let me ask you, Mom, when you get done working at your job and you go home, it's all taken care of for you when you get there, right? No, we know better than that. And so we all love and appreciate our moms, and, and moms have to work today many, most of the time or many times. If, if you get so many children, it's impossible to work and come out ahead, right? So we, we want to show our appreciation, our love, and recognize, and that's why we have recognized the mothers today. But God designed the family, and he designed the roles. And a wife and a mother, is a, is a, it's just an unmeasurable important part in every one of our lives. Whether we have children or not, the mother, the wife, has an immeasurable, immeasurable effect. And, you know, I could preach that sermon that deals with uh, the, the famous people in the world, and those famous people so many times will point back and go back to their mother as being the most important influence in their life. And, you know, all of us could say that, whether it be positive or negative, Mother in our life played a great, tremendous role. Now, the effect that mom has on the home and what she does day after day, day after day, goes unrecognized, basically. It's sad we have a day once a year, but <laughs> that's all, right? <laughs> that's not enough. Mothers, wives are priceless. Priceless. Saturday evening post had a picture of a little boy. He was five or six years old, and he's talking on the telephone. And in his conversation on the telephone, he says, Mom's in the hospital. The twins, Jamie, Billy, and Sally, my dog, Dad and me, we're all alone. Mom wasn't there, right? Moms have that much impact on our life. How does your house operate when your wife when your mother is not there. Smoothly is not the answer. 
So we're going to look at the roles of the, the husband, the wife, and see God's design. And we're going to look at, think about our mother and our wife, the vital part of the family. The wife, the mother, is the vital part of the home. Think about with me quickly, and then we'll forget this, the absurdity of a man transitioning to be a woman. A man could be going through a transitioning, but when he's done, he is not a woman. And it's ridiculous. It is outrageously ridiculous for a man to pretend to be a woman and be recognized as woman of the year. The award giver is the buffoon. And we, as people that have a brain that functions, need to call people out on that and say, no, he is not a woman. He may not be wanting to be a man, but he ain't a woman. And you can use the word ain't there. Some of this stuff is just put out and put out and put out to see what we will accept. And see, and we're going to have to stand up in our own way at our own time and say, I'm not a part of that. You can go wackos if you want to, but I'm not going wacko with you. God designed the marriage. God brought Adam and Eve together. Father and mother and children have specific roles in the family, and we need to have strong families more than any other time we need. So how does love work out? How does the roles work out? And of course, the Bible is going to address the woman first. And it says that women are charged with submission. Look at verse 18. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. And all the men are just jumping up and down inside and say, Hallelujah! But you wouldn't dare do that out loud, would you? No, this is not, uh, not easy to accomplish. This, wives, submit yourself to your own husband. It's not often easily accomplished. It's not even always possible. There are many situations where there's not a husband in the home, and many times when husbands are, are weak and immature and selfish, carnal, and you ladies don't say amen at this point if your husband is here I don't think his, uh, he could take it right now. Many times, homes are dysfunctional. That's true. That's true, isn't it? Husbands, not a Christian, uh, not Christ-like, demanding, hard to deal with. It makes it difficult. It makes it hard. But this is not just an outdated Jewish thought. It, it's not just... Something that we can just mark off and say, well, that was a cultural thing way back when. It doesn't apply now. Our society needs women to live the roles out of a wife that is submitted to being a wife. No doubt. The women's liberation movement had very little to do with freeing women, but rather destroying society by destroying the rhythm and the roles of the home. This is not for a woman to be less in value to a man either. You ladies heard me say that. It's not to keep your opinion to yourself. It's not for you to be a slave or to be any type of 
verbal or any other type of abuse, and you should not tolerate that stuff. It's for a woman to give herself willingly to the leadership role of her husband. This thing is between a woman, a wife, and the Lord. You know, that just relieves the women in the house right there. Because when a guy goes to talking about these things, you're thinking automatically, this guy's just like my husband. I'm not going to listen to him. That's, it's not talking. It's, this has nothing to do with your husband. It really doesn't. It's between the wife and Jesus. And you have to work that thing out. You've got to figure out where you're at and what type of home, you know, maybe it's crazy there. And maybe it's not. And, and the Bible gives us plenty of room. I can take you to the other scriptures that teach us that. This is not for me as a pastor to come in there and say, women, wives, submit yourself to your husband. I've actually been challenged to do that one time in 40 years. I was told to tell the wife in the home to submit to her husband. And I told him it's none of my business how your home operates. And I said, I'll not have any other part of this conversation. This thing of submission here is between a wife and her Lord. And that's not her husband. It's between her and God. And, of course, I was quickly let out the door. Or I, I, I chose to leave. But listen, this is for a woman, between her and God, to give herself to the leadership, not the absolution of her husband. My goodness, if a wife does not share her mind and her opinion, there is something wrong in that relationship. Many times, a wife has a husband where she has to lead. And many times, I have heard this over and over again, that women have had to go to the husband and say, hey, up your game. You're not providing the leadership in this home that you should. That happens a lot. Now, to respect him, that's there, right? To show respect, it's different roles. It's different. We have a different role there. Now, that's to the wife. And then, secondly, and I'm not going to take a lot of time on the other three things because it's Mother's Day, but the husband is charged with sacrificial love. Look at verse 19. Husbands, love your wife. Be not bitter against him. Now, you know what? If you look at this, be not bitter against him. Let me tell you this: what this thing does. It says you watch the harshness of your language. Watch the attitude, the harsh attitude that you have. Listen, guys, you're out there at work. You can just get down and dirty and mean as you want to be. But when you go to the house, drop it at the door, and you go in there and you be respectful to your wife. Not getting any amens there, but I can understand that. Nobody wants to step. Hey, I get an award for being brave on Mother's Day. Amen? A mean husband. 
That's ignorance. If you, you treat your wife like a queen, and she might consider treating you like a king. Sacrificial love is essential. The ingredient of loving leadership. Jesus is the pattern. And over in the book of Ephesians, it makes it more clear that Jesus is the pattern for the husband. Jesus, kind, right? Loving, gentle. That's the husband's example. The act of sacrifice. And of course, we look at Jesus when He went to the cross and He died on the cross for His bride, didn't He? The church, everyone that is saved is a part of the church which is called the bride of Christ. He died and then He sends the Spirit out to woo us, to call us, and to draw us to be His wife. It's all love when you look at Jesus. He says, be not bitter against Him, meaning don't be harsh. Be like Jesus, gentle, loving, kind, tender, not sharp, not bitter. All of these things devalue the wife. You can look, at men, at your home. If your wife ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. And you're not where you need to be if your wife's not happy. It's your job to try to work on that. Now, thirdly, to the children. The children are charged with obedience. Obedience. Listen to me, families. Kids need to learn to submit to commands, demands, and instructions. The kid that says, man, I'm sick of this place. I'm going to go out and join the Marines so I can be free. He's telling us, Everybody needs instruction, leadership, training. Hey, kids need to be trained. And listen, hey, it happens. You go to Walmart, your kid's going to get out of line. They're going to be the worse at Walmart than they are at your house, right? Hey, and, and I've heard it said a hundred times, hey, I can't believe they're acting this way right in front of everybody. And I, hey, if I didn't have kids, I wouldn't understand that. So they're going to be the worst they can be. But you've got to teach and instruct, and they need... Listen, and don't teach Junior that he's the greatest thing that ever walked. Don't teach him that, oh, you're special. You're, man, you're, 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 you're just so, you're, no. Don't teach him that junk. Try to just treat him like they're normal. He said, children, obey your parents in all things. He's addressing the kids. So I want to address the kids. Teenagers, children, show respect to your parents. Show, your, show respect to your parents. Well, preacher, you, you know my parents and they're... No, 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 no. Show respect to your parents. Respect. When a, if you look at this, he says, children, obey your parents. Learn to listen. Learn to respect. Respect. I'm going to tell you something. And I know some of you got it down too, but in church, when I was in church as a kid, hey, I'll be honest with you, I tried to cut up and act up, especially when I was in a whole line of kids. I'm praising God for our kids. They're so good. They're much, you're, 
I ain't going to say you're much better than I was. I don't want to give you no license to sin there. But my dad could give me a look. He didn't have to say a word. That's, the, that's where you want to train them, kids. That's, parents, that's what you want to train them, where a look says it all. See, y'all don't understand this, but my brother taught me how to act in church. My older brother, he taught me how to act in church. One day he was messing up, and Dad took him out by the arm. And when he come back in, I didn't want none of that. So my brother taught me how to act in church. I didn't want none of that. I, hey, Dad embarrassed him. I tried to act like I didn't know him. Dad embarrassed me, Amen. Sometimes you got to embarrass a kid. I've been embarrassed by my parents before. That's a good thing. Oh, you hurt the, you hurt the self-esteem. I, listen, I wasn't raised with any self-esteem. Who needs that? I got enough ego in me. I don't need anybody pumping it into me. I can get it myself. Amen. You know, all a kid needs to, to overcome all the abuse the parents gave them is get out and get a job and pay your own bills. You'll have all the self-esteem you need. And if you don't go out and get a job when you get job age quality, you're not going to have any self-esteem. And you're not going to have it. Just So, hey, children, obey. Teach them to listen. Teach them to respect and you young parents, everything you read, everything you read, it, it doesn't include these things like it should. It doesn't give you balance. Oh, well, this is a good thought. It's a good thought. Hey, they'll give you a thousand good thoughts, but they don't give you the context. I know a young mother that wasn't going to spank her daughter, and for five years she didn't spank her daughter, and she started spanking her daughter. About four years late. Hey, I, I'm, I, don't, I don't care how you do it. You just got to have discipline. Now, when I say I don't care how you do it, I, I'm not saying, you know, take advantage of abuse. You got to have discipline. You got to have. He said in this, be respectful to the parents in all things. And this is well-pleasing, it says, well-pleasing with God. Of course, our best example of all about children respecting their parents is Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8, where it talks about the Lord Himself. Jesus learned obedience at home. He learned obedience at home. Shoot that up, 5, 8. Uh, Hebrews 5, 8, they, they might want to... Though He were a son, yet learned He obedience by the things He suffered. Even as a child. Even the Lord Jesus proves obedience is important for children. Remember when he was gone down to the temple? He was smarter than anybody at the temple, wasn't he? I mean, he just didn't have a brainstorm. He was a storm. Amen? And he went down to the temple and he, was, he got away from them. You ever lose your child? That's a scary thing, right? I'm sure they would have thought, well, Jesus can take care of himself, though. That was comforting. But listen, what happened? When mother came to him, he ceased and went with her. Right? He ceased and went with her. So that's the person we learn from. Now it gives us one last warning here. 
in verse 21. Fathers, fathers, and I think mothers could, could heed the advice here too. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Fathers, fathers, provoke not your children to anger. Now, that there's a lot here, and if you're a young father and mother, I hope you got this. And if you haven't got this, listen up. You got to learn every child. They're all different, and you got you got to customize your approach. I remember a guy, a friend of mine. He had he had uh, two boys, and man, everything was great. I mean, it, he said he said I, I'm going to write a book on parenting. And then he got his third son. He said, I tore my notes up, threw them away. That third boy was a challenge. You don't know who they are. They're all different. And, and I, I tell you, in my own, my own who I am, I like a blanket policy is everybody gets the same treatment. But when it comes to kids, you've got you to diversify your approach and just take that. But there's always got to be the lessons of obedience, listening, and learning. A kid needs to learn. You know, listen, who you are as a person has to do with your learning. You need to grow. Your soul. God gave you a soul. And you need to instruct that soul and learn. And you need to read and, and, and study and learn things. God wants your soul to flourish. So you learn, kids. Fathers, Provoke not your children to anger. I guess the word we could use here is balance. Use a balanced approach. So here it is in summary. Submission to the wives, love to the husbands, and obedience to the children. How's your home? I hope that what I've said today will reinforce what the Bible teaches and encourage you to follow the biblical patterns. It's a the home is a picture of Christ and the church. Jesus died for you, the church, and me, the church. Now let me close with a gospel invitation. Jesus, the Son of God, born into a family, grew up, went to the cross, and died on the cross for our sins. The Son of God took our place on that cross you and I deserve to go to hell. You and I have sinned and come short. And God is holy. And we cannot enter into the presence of heaven because we're sinners. The only way to be qualified to go to heaven, you've got to get pre-qualified by going to the cross and trusting Jesus that He died for you, asked Him to forgive you of your sin, and you're bowing before Him and trusting Him as your Lord and Savior. If you've not done that before, we invite you to come. We invite you to give your life to Jesus and begin a life of being a saved person living for Jesus Christ. I want us to stand to our feet. We're going to give an opportunity for you to respond as our pianist and guitarist comes, our music leader comes. We'll give you an opportunity to respond. If you're here today, maybe... Maybe you're a husband or a wife and you have not measured up in your own 
in your own measures you feel like you have fallen short. I want to invite you to come to this altar. No one's going to come to you. No one's going to come to you and bother you. Just to come here and and just to lay something down and say, Jesus, forgive me and help me. What about someone that needs to be a Christian? You'd like to make a commitment to Jesus Christ and trust Him as your Lord and Savior. Would you come? What about someone that has some some baggage in your life? you got baggage. And man, it's just torments you. Something in your life has tormented you. Won't you come and lay that down here in this, this altar? When you come and you're laying it down at the cross, bring that torment and lay it down and leave it here. Would you come? Anyone else? Maybe there's a Christian that needs to repent, needs to turn their life around. Would you come? Let's sing that out now. Just What about a commitment to Jesus today to be a Christian? Have our ushers come. I just want to 